book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 12. Did you know that even with two eyes, everything that we see is two-dimensional? The fact that we assume or that we believe that we can see in 3D is called an ocular illusion. I was watching a video on this right before the end of school regarding physical science, and the, the guy said, because we can only see on, on two planes, we can see horizontal and we can see vertical, but we cannot actually see depth. You don't know what's on the other side of this wall. You may think you do, but we can't see behind it. And it's that way with everything that we lay our eyes on. We can see exactly what's there. And we assume, if you hold your finger up, you assume that it goes all the way around. But you actually can't see it until you twist it. Does everybody understand where I'm going with this? Or you understand where I'm at right now? Matthew chapter number 5. Verse number 14. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, I know that we've studied light for several weeks, and, and Lord willing, this this probably be our last week on it. But light is the only reason that we can see things that we believe we can see. And, and I know it sounds really simple, but, but light is the reason that we think we can see three-dimensionally. We think we can see the depth of somebody's face just because of the way the light uh, re reflects off of that particular face. And, and whenever we see colors, it's not that we're actually seeing that color. We're seeing the color that the light is reflecting off of whatever surface it is we're looking at. And so whenever you begin to study exactly how light impacts the eyes and, and the reason cat's eyes glow at night and the reason people's eyes are red uh, whenever you take their picture, it's, it's really neat and it's really interesting. But it all, it all comes back to, to light. Without it, it, eyes really wouldn't serve a purpose. And so the, what, what I want to look at tonight is, is what does our light shine light on? What does our light reveal perspective-wise? What does our light show the world? Because we know as, as individuals and as Christians and as a church and as a church regarding the, the, the whole church of the whole world, we are to shine a light. And if we are to shine a light, then we are revealing things. We are showing perspective of things. We are showing more than a, than a single plane. When you hold your finger up, if you hold it up and you're close to a light like I am, one side of your finger is brighter than the other side. Making it look like one side of your finger is light white and the other side is dark white. And if you don't have as much oil on your hand as I do on mine, then that may actually be true. But it, it makes it look like it's a different color because the light reveals things in different ways based on what is in the shadow, what is hid, what distance everything is from one another. When I look out at the chairs, it looks like the chair that Brother David is sitting in is further back than the chair that is on the front row. Technically, I can only see one plane. I can only see two-dimensionally. I can't see what's behind him. I can't see what's going on. But because of the light, because of the, the way my brain interprets three-dimensional images, it looks like that is deeper. 
And tonight, I'm going to show you a picture. I don't have enough for everybody. But take a look at this. You see a couple of different colors, right? It's, it's fairly simple. It's fairly easy. And if you want to take one of these home with you, I, I, I wish you would. What would you say if I told you that both the top box and the bottom box are the same exact color? That's a All I did was cover up the white. Light makes us think things. Light reveals things. Light makes us see things differently. If you cover up the middle, the top and the bottom box are the same. And whenever you remove it, the bottom box looks lighter again. The way that we interpret things, the way that our mind makes things look is not always correct. But we have a, I'm going to call the Word of God a flashlight tonight. We have a flashlight to help us see, just like the world has us to help it see. Throughout all of time, God has used His people, God has used His Word, God has used, <laughs> God has used the church to bring about some powerful change in the whole world. Why did the pilgrims leave England? Let's go all the way back to Columbus. Why did they leave? Religious freedom. Religious freedom. They want a religious freedom from the Catholic Church of England. They wanted to get out from under the king. They wanted to get out from under the pope. They wanted to get out from under all of that religion. Today, God sent His people, the Protestants, across the ocean. God sent His people into Asia. God sent His people into Africa. God sent His people all over, and today the, the, the missionaries that, that even we support are spread all over the world. God changes things using His people. God shines lights using His people. And as individuals and, and as a church in a community that desperately needs a light, just to bring a little bit more perspective, to bring a little bit more truth. Because if you just look at this picture, you just look at the picture it don't look different God's people shines a light on things God's word shines a light on things to give us a different perspective to give us a different way of looking at it 2 Samuel chapter number 12 I believe with all of my heart that whenever David committed this atrocity that he did so not 100% believing that he was in the wrong. I believe that he had to have been convicted being a man of God, being a child of God. He had to have been convicted when this happened. But I don't believe that he saw the full gravity of the situation until God shined the light on him. A lot of times in our life, we don't see the full gravity of a situation until we see it through somebody else's eyes. Ain't that what they say, walk a mile in, walk a mile in my shoes? The Lord said unto Nathan, sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said, There were two men in one city, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one ewe lamb, which he bought, nourished up, grew together with him. With his children did eat meat of his own meat, 
and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was as a, was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared of his own flock to take of his own herd and to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man was coming to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing, this thing shall surely die. Now, now David was assuming that Nathan was telling him about a man, about a real man, about an actual man, about an actual story of, of something that was happening in his community, in his city, exactly what was going on. And Nathan said, As the Lord liveth, this man shall surely die. He said, Judgment is going to be brought upon him. This is wrong. This is terrible. This is awful. May God pass judgment on him. David knew immediately, given the circumstances, given the situation, given the, the, the story, with no names in it, David knew that it was absolutely wrong. Why do things look more wrong in other people's lives than they do in ours? Why does something look more wrong for somebody else than it does for me? There's a phrase. I think it's in the Bible somewhere. I'm not entirely sure. I should have looked it up. About a, about swallowing a a gnat. Choke, no, swallowing a camel and choking on a fly. Swallowing a camel and choking on a fly. Do what? About removing the... Talking about the uh, the splinter in your brother's eye and having a moat in your own. David could not see the gnat that he was choking on. David could not see the moat that was in his eye. David could not... And, and, and I believe with everything that David could not see that God was going to judge him for what he had done. I believe that he saw it was wrong. I believe that he, he knew what he had done. But I, I don't believe that David knew the severity and the gravity of the situation up until Nathan put it in terms that, that, that shed a little bit of light on the, on the situation he was in. It gave David some perspective because it was a whole lot easier to see it from over yonder than it was from right here. For those of you who have played sports, it's a whole lot easier to coach when you're in the stands or when you're sitting at a, in your easy chair watching it on TV. I was watching a, a competition on TV a couple of days ago, and it was a, uh, a physical competition, and the guy said, I have sat on my couch, and I have watched, and I have watched, and I have, I have whooped all of these. He said, but now I'm here, and this thing is killing me. It's easy to do it from our couch. How many people sit here and listen and, and, and guess all the wheels of fortunes? Anybody? Nobody's will of fortune. Jeopardy? I can I can answer about half the Jeopardies. I'm not real good, but I can usually get half of them. But my wife, she'll sit on the couch or whenever we had TV in the other house, she would sit on the couch and, and her and Bailey would watch the Wheel of Fortune and, and she would she would guess them, she would nail them, she would hammer them. I mean, every time she got it right. And there was a guy on there one time, he said, you know, I sat on my couch and I guessed every one of them correctly. He said, I could have beat anybody on this show. But he said, it's a whole lot harder when you're standing up here. It's a whole lot different whenever you're here whenever you're the man in the situation it's really 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 easy to criticize and critique and say I would have done this and I would have done that and I could have did this and I could have did that but the problem with all of that is is that whenever we get in the situation we have to make those decisions we have to make those choices we have to we, we are the man 
Nathan told David, he said, Thou, verse number 7, he said, Thou art the man. Whenever we get in that situation, then we are the man. And you know, decisions that we make are not easily undone. Words that come out of our mouth, they can't be bottled back up. We are the man. David needed perspective. David needed a light shown just in a little bit of a different spot to see and realize and understand exactly what he had done. Can you imagine how deep his heart had to have sank when Nathan said, Thou art the man? That had to have hit him like a ton of bricks. Thou art the man. You're the one who've done it. Turn, it, turn if you would, to the book of Acts if you still have your Bibles open. Book of Acts in chapter number 4. The church was growing. Peter had just delivered his, his Pentecost sermon. church in the book of Acts was on fire. They were on a roll. The apostles had healed. The apostles had taught. The apostles had preached over and over in, in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Like in verse 24, it says that he lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Down at the end of chapter number 4, people began to give. Verse 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the prices for the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. For the distribution was made unto every man according to as he had need. Verse 37, Having land, they sold it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Giving to the poor, trying to take care of the church, trying to give to God. And then it leads us into chapter number 5. In chapter 5, we read about two individuals that wanted to do good. And a lot of times, they are given a very, very bad rap. They wanted to do good. They went and sold land, and they said, we're going to give it to the church. They wanted to do good. But is it more important? Samuel asked Saul this question. Is it more important to obey or to sacrifice? What is it more important to do? Is it more important to obey God or is it more important to give to God? Well, if we obey God, then we are giving to God. But if we disobey Him in trying to sacrifice, then we have disobeyed Him. That's where it begins. The Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Moses said, uh, the Bible says over and over and over when God was giving the word to Moses, to teach your children. David said to bind it in. Uh, as, as frontlets on that eyes. Ezra, Nehemiah stood up and read the word to the people. And the people stood from day, uh, from, from, from early in the morning to late in the evening. They stood and they listened to the word of God. It is more important to obey than to sacrifice. Chapter number 5, verse number 1. But a certain man named Ananias fired his wife, sold a possession. And they kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of land? I believe with all of my heart that if Ananias' fire would have came and said, we sold a piece of land and we're going to give this much to the church, that God would have blessed them and they would have been fruitful. I believe that with everything. But what they wanted to do is they wanted credit, they wanted glory, they wanted praise. They said, we have sold this and we're giving it all to the church. 
were giving it all to the disciples. And Peter said, why has Satan filled that heart to lie unto the Holy Ghost? I believe at that point, Ananias saw the gravity of what he did. At that point. Verse 4, while it remained, it wasn't not that own. And after thou sold it, was not it even in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? For thou hast not lied unto men, but unto, unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down dead and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon all of them that heard these things. Ananias was trying to do the right thing, but he did it for the wrong reason. And he did it in disobedience, and he did it lying to God. And I believe whenever Peter said, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie unto the Holy Ghost? That it shed a little bit of light on his perspective. It gave him a little bit of, of, of perspective. It, it, I believe that it woke him up. And a lot of times what the Word of God does in our life is it, it's made to wake us up. And I know a lot of times we don't like it. I don't necessarily like it. But the Word of God is supposed to convict us. It is supposed to. It is 100% supposed to convict us. It is supposed to make us feel bad. It is. It can be as encouraging as any book you ever want to read. But it can also be as, as heart-wrenching as anything you want to see. Because the Word of God is the, is the measure in which we measure our spiritual life. And where we are wrong, it shows us. Where we are right, where we are guided, where we are led by the Holy Spirit, it shows us. So many times in our life, in my life, I've read the Bible. And I've read something that I didn't like. I've never ripped a page out of my Bible, but I've flipped on and said, I'm just going to go read somewhere else. I've been there. I have done that. I'm not reading this. I don't like that. You know, I've, I've said under preachers, I've never got up and walked out of a service. But I've sat there and I have shut down because I didn't like what they were saying. Not because it wasn't true, but because it applied to my life. Because it applied to me. Because it was something that I was doing. Because it was something that I was not doing. Because it was something that I needed to change. And instead of, instead of looking at the Word of God and changing it, and instead of following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I said no. I don't like this man anymore. I said that. I have been that person to say I'm not going to hear that preacher because he preached something one day, one time that made me upset. I have since come to terms with the fact that I'm not perfect. I'm not close. And the word that God brings through His people, Sunday school teachers, Men of the church, singers, songwriters, pastors, evangelists, radio ministers, TV ministers, the, the word that God brings through His people is meant to shine a light in our life. It is meant to give us perspective. Because the things that we see, we don't always understand See any 
look real close, it looks like black dots. Can you see them? I see them. I, I just saw them. But I can't no. focus on them. No. If you look real close, there are no black dots. They're not there. They're all white dots. But as you scan through the white dots, you'll see black dots. But if you stare, if you focus directly at each individual dot, there are no black dots. They're all white. We are fooled because of light, because of perspective. We can't trust what we see. Our eyes fool us. Our ears fool us. Our head fools us. Hallmark says, follow your heart. Ain't that what the Disney movies say? Follow your heart. We was watching Moana with Bailey last night. And it was follow your heart. Follow the wind. Follow the stingray, whatever. The Bible says that heart is desperately wicked. No man can know it. The Bible says to follow God. The Bible says to follow the Holy Spirit. It will shine a light on things that will make it clear. That will make things in our life absolute. That will make things in our life sure. Jesus tells a story about two men who built a house. One man built on a rock, another man built on the sand. The man who built on a rock, his house stayed. The winds came, blew on the house, nothing happened. You know, I think that's where the story of the Big Bad Wolf came from. Y'all remember the story of the Big Bad Wolf and the Pea Little Threes? So three little pigs built three houses. Straw, wood, bricks. Jesus said the man built a house on, on an unsolid foundation, on an unstable foundation. The house of straw and the house of sticks weren't stable. You can try as hard as you want to to weave broom sedge together. It ain't going to be strong. It's like trying to hold water in your hands. You can push your hands as tight as you possibly want to. You can't hold water in them. You can take sticks and you can weave them together and you can put them together. It's just not very strong. And as much as you may try to put sand, Emily, they, they went to the beach back at the end of May and she said one of her favorite things to do is stand on the water and watch, uh, stand on the, the shore and watch what the water does to the sand. Understanding that sand is one of the heaviest, densest objects on the face of the planet. It is also one of the smallest and one of the most easily moved because there's nothing there to hold it together. Whenever we build foundations nowadays, we use concrete. Concrete is a mixture of rock, sand, and cement. And whenever you mix all of these three together, they form what we call a foundation. And it holds everything together. And the point that Jesus was trying to make, he said, build your house upon the rock. Build your house upon that which is sure. Build our spiritual faith foundation upon that which is solid, sure, unmovable. Not going to shake, not going to blow away. How easily is our faith shaking? How easily is our Conviction shaken. How easily are they changed? Are they changed? Are we built on the rock? Are we absolutely sure of what it is we believe? Of why we believe it? 
If so, let's take that light that has been shown in our life. That light that God has given us to show us what we are sure of. And let's shine it in the world. Jesus says so that the world may see your good works. You know, if we live according to God's Word, we will produce good works. The Bible says we're known by the fruit that we bear. If we live according to God, then we'll bear good fruit. The world will see it, but that is not the reason that we do it. We do it so the world will see it and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We do it so the world can see Christ through us. We do it so that we can shine a light of Jesus on a world that needs it so desperately bad. A couple of years ago, we tried to form a, a FCA, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Varnado High School. It was a kid that got it in his mind, got it in his heart, and he wanted to do it. And they needed a, a, a teacher sponsor, so I said, yeah, I'll do it. He said, we're going to have our first meeting this day, this time in the office. I said, okay. So I called Robbie up at Pine Cash. I said, hey, I need six dozen donuts. Half of them regular, half of them chocolate. He said, what time? I said, I'm coming through at six. I'll pick them up. So we put on the morning announcements the morning before. We said, we're going to have donuts and Bible study in the, in the library. Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock. First morning, we had a room full. I think I told you all about it. I mean, there was people everywhere. Them six dozen donuts wasn't even close to enough. The kid was a 10th grader at the time. He graduated this past year. He stood up and, and he shared his testimony with the class. Another kid uh, stood up next to him. He shared his testimony with the class. Both of the kids were different races. Both of the kids were from different families. Both of the kids were from different denominations of churches. They stood up and they shared the one thing that they had in common. They stood up and they shared Jesus Christ. It was a beautiful thing to witness. The following weekend, I called Robbie, the following Wednesday, I called Robbie up at Pine Cash. I said, hey, I need 10 dozen donuts this time. I said, them kids put them down. We're hoping to have a few more this time. We had about a dozen kids in the library that day. We give away donuts. Oh my goodness, we gave away donuts. That next week, Brent's a kid's name. He said they had three kids saved at his church that came to that meeting, that heard his testimony. That came to, it was Varnado First Baptist Church at the time. Came to Varnado First Baptist Church, made a profession of faith, and as far as I know, they're, they're still going. One person, Miss Elfie sings a song, if just one more soul, if we can shine a light, if we can help, if we can be a blessing, if we can, if we can just do it for one more. I heard a guy preach one time, he said there's, there's a pretty good reason that Jesus hadn't come back yet. He said, because there's at least one more person that needs to be saved. It's the only reason. The only thing holding God up. All of these things that the Bible talks about is, has been fulfilled. We are in the last days. The, the time is at hand. The Bible says Jesus will come as a thief in the night. Evidently, there's one more soul that needs saved. I pray that even our life could glorify Jesus Christ. That our life could be a blessing. That our life could be that light, that perspective that the world needs. 
that the world could see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Well, we have a verse of song we're going to ask.